0: When there's faith in the room, when the people of God in the room are almost pulling out you know, of, of the people in their heart what's in them, loads more comes out. You're, you're rewarded according to the way you receive people. I want us to really receive these people in our heart. Um, I know Mike well, uh, increasingly well, and trust him um and I, I just want you to if you trust me take my ke- recommendation he's is a he's a, he's a good man to serve as well and mike knows and loves and trusts ruth yep. so we'll take ruth or mike for me so <laughs> let's just pray for the lord thank you for these guys thank you they've come all the way yeah. here be awesome. to be with us and to just to serve your people yeah. and lord we want to bless them for that yeah. and we pray lord that as they give out they really would be blessed yeah. we pray for all kinds of wonderful uh, interaction in the spirit to be going on all kinds of giving and receiving we really do ask for that lord let it be a beautiful uh, flow of faith and honor and all the stuff that looks like your kingdom amen. we ask in jesus name amen amen, amen. well good morning
1: everyone afternoon. afternoon so it's a real privilege to be here this morning and and this morning i'm going to attempt to make a contribution i said morning am i let's just morning equals afternoon okay This afternoon, it's a real privilege to be here this afternoon, and I'm going to make an attempt to have a contribution to the Ephesians series that you're a part of, uh, the church has been working through. I want to start with a question, just to think to yourself here. If you could ask a question of God, knowing you would get a reply, what would you ask? You might think, wow, I don't know. Maybe it might be a question, God, why? how come why did this happen maybe it might be something like will my son or my daughter or my loved one come through okay will we succeed in what's in our heart to do what is your will for me or what do you want where do you want me to go whatever the question we may very much feel that we have a limited perspective and a limited framework of what to ask what we even think uh, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest thinkers, said this I want to know God's thoughts, the rest are details. Some of us have aspirations and dreams we carry that we think are out of reach. There's this great quote What would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Instantly, some of those things, instantly, we thinking that question, what we ask, what we think is raised with a greater possibility. We're going to look at the passage at the end of Ephesians 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can head towards there. It'll come up on the screen here as well. We're looking at Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, which is a prayer that Paul has been dipping in and out of since the beginning of Ephesians. This prayer will set the readers up and empower them for the outworking of Christian life covered in the second half of Ephesians. Steph last week explained at the beginning of Ephesians 3 as a prayer, um, he says, For this reason, it starts Ephesians 3, which links us back to some words of the end of Ephesians 2. You see it, some things, just some of the some verses to pull out of Ephesians two. He says, Through him, which is Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, in whom the whole structure, meaning the church. I love these words, are being joined together, like there's a joining together in Christ, but then there's in that a growing into A tabernacle of the Lord. In him you also, say I, you also have been built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Ephesians 3 begins for this reason. So he's continuing on things he's been covering in chapters 1 and chapters 2. But last week, Steph explained that then it seems as though Paul kind of breaks off a little bit. He has a parenthesis, as he said, kind of a a bit of a sidetrack moment, and begins talking about his ministry, and and sort of about the manifold wisdom, the multicolored wisdom. And one of the quotes he said last week, Simply by the church being one, loving one another, multicolored rays burst into the heavens that say, look what Christ has done. So that's what he covered last week. But, but then he kind of gets to verse 14. And he might have had thoughts to the effect, Now, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, I was praying for you. Kind of like my wife sometimes when she comes home from work, and she, she's had one of those days that all of a sudden she starts talking about a meeting that she's having, and gets into the details, and then she kind of chuckles and talks about something that happened in the office. And I'm thinking, is she still talking about the meeting or not? And, so, and then I realize, wait a minute, have you had anybody to talk to today? She says, no 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 i haven't so <laughs> he says for this reason which brings us back from verse 1 and we're going to see here in this passage interestingly this is a whole prayer in one sentence <laughs> So he says here in verse 14, For this reason I bow now my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and then he concludes now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is such a supercharged passage. Like was said before, you want to kind of read Ephesians in small doses. These eight verses are packed with rich truth. It's kind of like a biggie-sized triple burger with extra cheese and extra pickles. You kind of just want one bite at a time and just kind of chew on it here. Or the veggie equivalent for those of here's the headlines of where I'm going. Paul is praying that they would know and experience being an empowered people. Having the power of Christ in us, knowing the love of Christ for us, God can do exceedingly great things through us. In a sense, this prayer is a further application for what Paul encouraged them and prayed for them in Ephesians 1. He said there, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know the hope which he's called you. That you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That you might know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. In the first chapter, he's almost as if his prayer is for revelation. Here it's a prayer to experience that power. I want to unpack this prayer a little bit as a foundation. And I want to springboard off it at the end to encourage us how this can apply even as Paul talked to the church in Corinth about being a prophetic people. So in verse 14 he says, For this reason (coughs) I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's before the Father. Not just sending up prayer flares to a distant God, but an awareness of being before the Father. The language of family is language of intimacy. Paul is praying to the Father, and I read in this, An accessible Father, who far exceeds the limited relationship I had with my own Father. I had, I had my my father and my parents were divorced when I was a young age. And my father was kind of a birthday and a Christmas dad where I got presents on those two occasions while I was old enough. And, and he used to only say, I love you, when he was drunk. And, he kept, and I kept trying to impress him, trying to earn his favor, <coughs> trying to earn his love. My relationship with my father was limited. And that had an effect on my view of God as a father. But I learnt God to be a loving father, as it says in this verse. The father of all fathers, as it says. Paul approaches in prayer a powerful and loving heavenly father. Paul references back to even Ephesians 2 where he says, We have access through Christ in one spirit to the father. Now, Paul makes three related requests in kind of increasing intensity here. He says, we believe um, that believers might be strengthened in their inner man in the Holy Spirit. That they might grasp God's unlimited, limited, limitless resources and the love of Christ. And third, that the believers be filled with the fullness of God. And so he says, I bow my knee before the Father. And then he goes on in verse 16. <coughs> excuse me. That according to the riches of his glory, this is heaven's endless rich storehouse, we might, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. The first request here is for inner spiritual strength. This is not self-discipline. This is not just the power of positive thinking. This is not simply physical strength or emotional strength. This is a fundamental work of God from His Spirit to our Spirit. And he's asking that believers be strengthened inwardly through the Holy Spirit. So why would they need power for Well, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 plays an important role for preparing them for the challenges that they're going to work through in the later parts of the the book. Walking in unity, living the new life, healthy relationships, standing strong in the battle. So first of all, we all need power to change. Paul's request for divine enabled power is precisely what the, the readers will need. The idea of putting off your old self is not something we naturally come by on our own ability. Areas that we can feel powerless in. We can feel powerless in anger. We can feel powerless in our fears. We can feel powerless in our addictions. But we need that. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a frog. Thank you. We need the Holy Spirit's power. Thank you. Thank you. We need the Holy Spirit's power to be the agent of change in our lives. Without it, we're powerless. We also need power to stand. We read as the, as the full armor of God at the end of this, of this book. In light of the continuing presence and hostility of evil, there we're in a spiritual battle. We can try to fight in our own strength. One of my greatest movies I enjoy is all the Rocky series. You know, all of them. You know, just the spiritual commentary. You know, yo, Adrian, you know, you got that. And and Mr. T, I pity the fool. You know, and so you get this moment in the middle of Rocky 3. And actually, you know, uh, Mr. T just going like, and and Rocky's kind of like this, you know, And, and there's this moment where he's just powerless. And there's times where in our own strength, Like Rocky, if you've never ever watched Rocky from a spiritual connotation, great Christmas project, just go for it. (laughs) But we see here, we can feel powerless. The power of God in our inner being. And Paul asks God, who has inexhaustible resources at his disposal, to provide the readers an inner strength of spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's praying for them to be strong in spirit. He also prayed in Ephesians 1, the spirit would impart wisdom and revelation to know God better. That they might know his incomparable great power. But now he's asking for this divine power to be in them directly. That God would strengthen them inwardly through the spirit. You see, God never intended for us as believers to simply read about or to have an understanding of God's power, but to experience in our lives. Praying you have Holy Spirit strength in your inner man. Paul knows the more the Spirit empowers our lives, the greater will be our transformation into the likeness of Christ, won't it? And that's why he goes on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He actually has the word, so that, in the, in the ESV. Now, I know what you're thinking. Obviously, this is a, a group of people that are already believers. Isn't, the, isn't uh, Christ already in their hearts? Interesting question. Why is he praying for that? To have Christ dwell in our hearts through faith means for him to be at home in every corner of our lives. The action of dwelling suggests that that Christ may take residence in your heart. And the commentaries give this kind of analogy. Imagine that, that you have a house, a couple, uh, you know, carefully mars- mars- marshaling, a couple put together resources for a down payment, and they buy the house, recognizing full well that it needs a bit of work. You know, when most of, us, most of us would agree that there were moments when we became Christians, our life needed a bit of a work done to it. You know, Christ bought the house of our lives, but it was a bit of a fixer-upper, wasn't it? When Christ, by His Spirit, takes up residence within us, He finds the moral equivalent of mounds of trash, holes in the walls, structural damages, and a leaky roof. Rooms still needing sorting out, locked out rooms of pain. And day by day, we learn to cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He sets about turning his, this residence in, of our hearts into a place appropriate for him. A place that he feels fully comfortable. It takes a great deal of power to change. And that's why Paul prays for power. Years after the purchase of our lives, everywhere we look around this, our spiritual house, we see the results of the labor of the Holy Spirit as more and more of our life Christ dwells. So we prayed for, that you may have power in your inner man, strength in spirit, and Christ dwelling in your heart. And then he says that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Here he's using two sort of metaphors. One is, is a, a, an agriculture term, a plant being rooted. Another is a construction image which speaks of something being built upon. Like a tree, we must send our roots down Into the love of God. Jeremiah says he is like a tree that sends out its roots by the stream. There's nothing static about this. Like a building, we're to build up on the foundations of love. Everything that we're building needs to be in a foundation of love. If we're properly rooted and properly constructing on the foundation of love, nothing will be able to shake us. And then Paul prays for another strength. Not only power in our own being, not only that Christ may dwell in our hearts in all the areas of our life, but he prays that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. The world's view of love is limited. You know, pop songs like, I want to know what love is you've lost that love and feeling. Or the country song, tennis must be your racket because love means nothing to you. If you look in the NIV, it says there though that Paul is praying that they may grasp. The NIV says the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth is the love of Christ. But actually we need to be true to the text. It actually doesn't fully say that in the original language. But if Paul is intending them to grasp the endless dimensions of God, he mentions wisdom a little bit earlier in the chapter, then love would certainly be a part of that. But but Paul clearly assumes that his readers, Christians though they are, still did not fully appreciate the love of Christ for them. Even as believers, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, we can still feel, I can't understand how Christ could love me. But it's for the asking. He now wants them to have the power to grasp just how great and limitless God and the love of Christ is. This this, uh, cannot be merely an intellectual exercise. Of course, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Uh, Not the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's not just an intellectual exercise. Have you experienced the love of Christ? in such a breadth, length, height, and depth. And I really felt even here this morning that God just wants to encourage some people that sometimes in your interaction, when you're in the presence of God, that you become overwhelmed with tears and it's hard to understand, why am I crying? And I believe God just wants to release some people and t- that it's the touching of the heart of the God that God's doing a work of compassion and deepening your love and your understanding of your love for God. And so sometimes we can equate tears to be something that's wrong, but actually you're touching the heart of God, and God just wants to encourage you with His heart. Paul adds to his prayer that they might fully grasp a love so massive that it contains all the saints. Imagine a love that, that can be grasped by all the saints. That's a massive love. John Stott says, The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind, long enough to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. Imagine a people so full of the Holy Spirit's power. Imagine us with a deep grasp of how great and manifest the love of Christ is for us. And he says, and to know the love of Christ. Paul doesn't mean to suggest that these readers have never experienced the love of Christ, but he prays that they would experience this limitless love in a way that they'd be rooted and established in that love. It's knowing how much you're truly loved and to experience that love in in unlimited amounts. The commentary kind of draws to attention that it speaks of knowing something that is surpassing knowledge. There's no way that we could do that in our own understanding. That it requires us, this kind of a deliberate paradox. But however, however much one comes to know the love of Christ, there's always more to know. It's inexhaustible. You cannot personally, personally know what is beyond knowledge. It takes the Holy Spirit's power to comprehend and know the love of God that passes knowledge. If we're lacking the revelation of the love of God in our lives, then all we need to do is ask our Father to give us the power to know His love. It's a simple prayer this morning. Let's keep it simple. Father, show me Your love. Reveal it to me. Let me grasp it. Let me know it. And I felt even this morning that God wants to break into hearts graciously those that feel unlovable. That there's a block of knowing and receiving God's love. That there's a gentle, compassionate, powerful sense of God's love for you this morning. To know the love of Christ is to know Christ himself in a widening experience and to have this boundless love flowing from us to a hurting world. How can we love the unlovable? Love our enemies? Love someone who's treating us badly? This is why we need the love of Christ without measure. This is not a prayer that we might love Christ more, although that's good. It's a prayer that we might better grasp His love for us. He's saying, look, here is the love of God. It's so incredibly vast. It is limitless. It cannot be comprehended. It cannot be contained. But the Holy Spirit's power, we can lay hold of it. We can know it operating in our lives and through our lives. We need the, the power of God to appreciate the limitless dimensions of that love. And so Paul prays for power. And he says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Just picture that for a second. Christ is, is the measure of the fullness of the deity dwelling in him. And this prayer that the fullness of God to be dwelling in you and I. Someone kind of said, it's kind of like pouring the ocean into a thimble. (laughs) This grace, that's a prayer that I pray. Now you might ask the question again, say, well, is Paul asking too much? I could pray that we're all millionaires. Is he asking too much? Is he just having a big prayer day that he's asking super big? But then verse 20 says this. And this is where, this is a moment in Paul's writing where he comes back and he he brings the focus and the praise and the glory to God. The doxology they call it. It's It's like, let's bring it really focused now to him, to God. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work in us. This is the answer to whether, people, whether Paul's prayer is too bold, whether he's asking for too much. It's impossible to ask God for too much. His capacity for giving far exceeds our capacity for asking, or even imagining. Be able to, to, to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or imagine. The language here, Paul's language is stretched to the limit. He's using a, a, a phrase of words which is better rendered infinitely more than, kind of like Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. There's no limit to what God can do. That's what what He can do far exceeds anything we can dream or imagine, much less ask for. The limitless God meets and exceeds our limitations. And it says, and to him be glory in the church and to Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, let me just land this just a little bit here. We see in Paul's prayer three elements. We see the Holy Spirit's power. We see being rooted and grasping God's love. And we see God doing exceedingly great things through us. Steph explained when he did the overview of Ephesians at the very beginning of this series that it, this, this Ephesians' book seemed to be more of a, circular t- a circulation of, of, to the churches, that it wasn't necessarily specifically issues related to Ephesians. Unlike in Corinth, where there was a letter that was specifically addressed to the church there. And so what I want us to see, just very briefly, I just want to show a snapshot here, that Paul's using similar language in 1 Corinthians 12-14. to 14. Then what we see here, these elements again. Now he says in 1 Corinthians 12.1, I think you'll see on there, there you go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I do not want you to be uninformed. The interesting thing about this verse is the word gifts is not in the original language. So it actually, he's not just talking about gifts specifically. Is he's saying now concerning spirituals, concerning being a spiritual person, I don't want you to be uninformed. Being a person full of the Spirit's power, which includes His gifts. And then he goes on and says, there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Is everyone here this morning? Okay. Anybody feeling left out? Anyone? Okay. Everyone. Okay. And then it says to this, in verse 7, To each, that's you and I, to each is given the manifestation of that spirit, that power in us, the manifestation of that spirit for the common good. What does that mean? I have here a fizzy drink. Okay, this is Coca-Cola, other brands are available. (laughs) We are the tin can. We're the vessel. And God puts His spirit in us, and then when, our, when His spirit stirs in our spirit And then when I step out and open my <laughs> when I step out and open my mouth, manifestation. Out comes gifts, out comes fruit in my life. And so He says, "That power in us is manifested out of us for the common good. Being a Spirit-filled believer, the Holy Spirit can manifest any of the, Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit when needed for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then obviously goes on, the sandwich in the middle, in 1 Corinthians 13. He talks about, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. So we see here power and love together. And then he concludes... As I will in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul links the two together. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. Let the gifts flow out of your heart. Out of love. Rooted in love. And let that power manifest in our lives. So when we see that. Able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. According to the power of work in us. That Ability for God to do greater things than we can think is through us, not just out in the ether. The Holy Spirit in us empowers us to do far more than we can ask or think. There was a scientist that I know, that, that I heard about him, that he says that he has dreams and visions. When he's sleeping, obviously he's dreaming. And during the day his visions. So that's a good, good plan. But he actually dreams molecular formulas that he gets up and creates in his laboratory. So the Holy Spirit's enabling him to do more than he could do himself. He actually says in the midst of worship, he sees formulas. That scientist is doing incredibly more than he can ask or think. An executive skills coach is asking God, when he, when he goes into, um, into working with colleagues, to give words that would unlock that person's situation and their problems. They're doing exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. So today, Paul is praying for an experience to come to a people of God. And it's not a big ask because he is bigger than all that we can ask or imagine. So today, we can apply this three ways in our lives. Three sort of responses back. First of all, Father, I need more of your holy spirit. Your divine agent of change working in me. I notoriously kind of drive my car with the with the petrol approaching E and, and I just I can go another block. I just go another round the corner. But God doesn't want us to be riding on the empty of of his power in us. He wants us to be full plus and so if you feel like the engine is showing E, or your fuel light gauge is showing E, we need more power in us, Lord. We want to be filled with the fullness of God. Secondly, Father, I need not only comprehend your great limitless love for me, but I need to experience it. That your love would flow in and through me. That simple prayer, God, show me your love. And lastly, With the power of Christ in me and the love of Christ in my life, Lord, remove the limitations of what I can ask or think or do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. Let the fullness of your power and the depth of your love manifest through me. So in just a little bit of time, what we want to do is just want to take an opportunity for us to respond to God. There's something for the asking. It's almost like Christmas is coming today. It's something that the Father wants to give to us. And so we're going to hand it back to to Steph, and then we'll we'll continue on with that afterwards.
0: So helpful, Mike. Thank you. It's great, eh? Really good. So, we're going to... We don't have loads of time, but there's some things that we'd want to do. One is, is that we want to pray into what we've just heard, I'm sure. All of our hearts are saying, I really want to pray into that. It's, uh, it's, what, I mean, it's probably one of the most extraordinary prayers in the Bible. What, what better thing to do than to, than to pray it back to the Lord, after having had it expounded into our hearts like that? Secondly we've got bread and wine and I think as we take bread and wine together if you're not familiar with the way we do it here then as we're we're singing praise songs uh, for the next 10-15 minutes of our service before the end then please uh, as friends, uh, as communities, um, as family we just take bread and wine together we can pray this prayer for each other we can pray this and we can can take up these requests and pray them for each other Um, Paul was a man just like us and prayed this prayer for the Ephesians, believing that God would use it. Um, we need to be bold to, 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 to take up prayers like this for one another, trusting that God will, will increasingly do that work in our hearts. And also we're going to take up our special offering as well. And we're going to just do that all together. And I want to just read you a very quick, well-known scripture that says, Jesus looked and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow putting two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow that was put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. When we come and take up an offering like this, you can be tempted, particularly if you're at the end of the scale where things are very tight right now, where you just feel like, what's the point? What difference will this make? Primarily it's not about that. Primarily it's about saying, I'm all in. We're all in. We're all in and we're all in together. We want to we give ourselves to what God is doing among us. It's learning to say us and we as much as we say I. It's just learning to so say I'm, I'm part of this if you are part of the church here. So I, do call, I want to call you to give. I do believe that Jesus is true to his word and that there is a blessing in giving. And that it's actually more blessed to give than receive. So I do want to call you to give today. Some of you here are rich. You have an abundance to give out of. Thank God for that. Give richly. Give abundantly. If materially you don't, then give with an abundance of your heart let's invest together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why don't we stand to our feet. If the band could come and and, and help us. Like I say, there's pots and pens and there's practical things down here. So the offering pot will not be going around to the seats. As you come down for bread and wine, as we're singing, come down and please just uh, place your money. um, in the pot as we take up the offering now. So that's where they are. Um, thanks, Gemma, for doing some good things there with pens and forms. And if you haven't got any gift aid envelopes, they're down there. And there's probably some IOU slips there too if you, have, if you need one of those. And please do come forward if you'd like to use this space as we, as we sing to the Lord. As you do that, I'm going to just thank the Lord for that wonderful message. And uh, prepare our hearts to praise and honour his name. Lord, we thank you for your abundance. We thank you for your great abundance that we just heard about. We love to hear of your mighty love. We love to hear of what it means to have you dwelling in our hearts. You being at home in our hearts, Jesus. Thank you for conquering our broken lives in the first place. Thank you for coming in and making us your own. And we pray, Lord, that more and more you would be fully at home dwelling in us. More and more, Lord, we would be being restored to your image. And Lord, as we praise your name now, as we take bread and wine, as we give of our resources, as we pray for one another, Spirit of God, fill us. Spirit of God, help us. Spirit of God, enable us. That this wouldn't just be a a human work, Lord, but we would be energised by your power moving through our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.